Hi guys! Welcome back to Two Jane Does. After a two-week hiatus, we're yes. back. It's been a mess, and we apologize to all of our listeners. We didn't just drop off the face of the earth and you know, forget about everything. But no, no. You see, it's a long story, but we're gonna condense it to the quick and fast version for you guys. So basically, we went to this ghost hunt with Mr. David Scott Worley, and we had an array of technical issues going on there, and then my husband came home at one o'clock in the morning, he basically stood over me while I was sleeping, woke me up, and was like, I've got COVID. So then I had to quarantine for 10 days, um, which meant that I didn't get to go anywhere. So, here we are two weeks later, back at it. <laughs> yes, I would have recorded solo, but I just didn't feel like it was the right thing to do. So. Aww. And unfortunately, it's screwed up our entire spooky month, but it'll be alright. It is. And so, as I'm saying this, we are going to be set here for the next little bit. We're going to do two recordings so that way we can get the ghost hunt out ASAP and then we're going to go ahead and double down and do this coming Monday's episode. So you guys have it all coming to you. Yes, in so. like five days you'll have everything. Yeah. Everything to catch up on. And then November, there's no rest for the wicked. We typically try to do ten episode run then take a week break. Well, we got two weeks so we're just gonna dive right into november and we've got all kinds of goodies and fun stuff planned for you then too so hopefully you don't just jump ship and give up on us just hang in there with us it's strange times we're living in <laughs> <laughs> right so today we are going to talk about the horror film that you guys picked which was amity am am Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, that was it. Woo! Aim to be... <laughs> the Amityville Horror. Thank you. <laughs> Apparently, I cannot talk. So, do you ever just get so fed up with people that you just decide to shoot them all? Ugh, sometimes. Mm. Well, let's talk about it. So, Amityville Horror was inspired by one single mass murder that took place in 1974. And unlike the other movies we discussed that have multiple serial killers for inspiration, this movie has one. Robert DeFeo, or Butch as they called him. Yes. Just one single man. Now, there's like a bajillion different movies. Yes. And... I did not dive deep into any one specific movie. However, I will say that the first film was inspired by the story of this particular man and the killings that he did. Although the first movie was more or less about the hauntings of what happened mm -hmm. in 1974. 
Right, and if you're like me, I just chose the first one really that popped up on Netflix or whatever platform I watched it on. Because believe it or not, while I was quarantined and everything, I did watch the movie. But I watched the Ryan Reynolds version. Um, and everybody just gets all hot and bothered over Ryan Reynolds. I, I just don't get it. <laughs> don't get it. But yeah, so, so I, I watched that version. I think you watched the remake. The yes. 2017. Yes, one. it was yeah. definitely a remake. Um, which, I mean, all in all, that movie itself wasn't bad. I mean, if you're into that kind of stuff, um, it's a good movie. I, I mean, they all are good movies. If you, uh, I mean, I like Ryan Reynolds, so. I don't. I mean, I like Deadpool. That's Ryan Reynolds. I know. Like, I like Deadpool Ryan Reynolds. I don't oh. like Green Lantern Ryan Reynolds. Oh, well. Mm. And I didn't really like Amityville Horror Ryan Reynolds either. Um, I mean, I thought all in all the movie, it was not my cup of tea. Um, which I know sounds funny because there's a lot more action and creepiness going on in Amityville Horror than there is, say, The Silence of the Lambs, which we covered earlier in the month. Yeah, there's a lot more, like, running around, things happening, and it's not just, like, <laughs> we're trying to track down this person. Oh, shut up. Nothing's happening. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, also, while I was in quarantine, though, I watched, like, five of the six or seven Freddy Krueger films, too. That was, that was not a fun time, either. I find myself just sitting there going, like, why am I doing this? <laughs> this is how I spend my day. This is what I do. This is what Emily is like in quarantine. She just sits and watch almost every freaking Nightmare on Elm Street movie. It's great. It's a good time. <laughs> but anyways. But anyways. Yeah. I digress. Um, so, yeah. The movie that we're going to be covering is The Amityville Horror. And... This was the first film to be inspired by the story of the haunted... Nope, none of that made sense the way I just said that. The first film to be inspired by the story of the Amityville haunting was the Amityville Horror. And it chronicles the events of Jay Anson's novel in which the Lutz family finds their new home in Amityville, New York to be haunted. And the house had been the site of a mass murder by Ronald DeFeo Jr. in 1974, which we discussed in the intro. Um, the following film, Amityville 2, The Possession, is a prequel, even though it's the second. Mm -hmm. Which makes yeah. no sense. It's a prequel based on the book Murder in Amityville by Hans Holzer and depicts the purported supernatural events in the home that led DeFeo to murder his family. So basically what they're prefacing this with is the house was haunted before the Lutz family and before DeFeo moved in and the hauntings and things that happened there were caused DeFeo to kill people. Right, and which I, I will slightly touch on that later on when we get into the more gruesome facts of what he actually did. But there's so much involved in that that I'm not going to dive too deep into it. Gotcha, girl. And then this last one sounds miserable. Um, the third installment, Amityville 3D, is set after the events of the first film. So the Amityville Horror, then it was the Possession. Amityville 2, and now the Amityville 3 is set between 1 and 2. It's confusing. Anyways, it was released in 3D, and it sounds miserable. Um, and 
1989, sorry, I lost my train of thought. In 1989, the fourth installment, Amityville 4, The Evil Escapes, was released as a made-for-television film and documents haunting stemming from a floor lamp that was in the home at the time of the DeFeo murders. <laughs> I think you need a back up here and just let's gonna... touch on this third installment that you had nothing to add to about other than that was released in 3D. I said it sounded miserable. Well, I mean, yeah, it's about... Yeah, but it's 3D. Well, I guess that would be miserable. Yeah, sure. I'll give you that. That This is what made me fumble on my words. Is the Amityville 3 that was in 3D was set... The way the order would go would oh, be, be Amityville 2. No, it'd be... No, it'd be 2 because 2 is the prequel... Amityville Horror is what happens next. Right. And then, uh, no. Then the first one. So it'd be 231. Yeah, 231. That's what I meant to say. Which is kind of like. This is a jumbled mess, guys. Like Star Wars vibes. Like you gotta watch shit yeah, backwards. Yeah, yeah. Four, out five, of order. six, and one, two, three. Yeah. Yeah. So I hate when they do movies like that. Because then if you wanna watch the next one, I feel like you, in my brain, I have OCD and I have to watch it in chronological order. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Too bad they didn't release it like that, so. <laughs> and then what made me giggle was the fact that they were saying the floor lamp was causing all of these hauntings at the time of the defamers. And I'm not saying, like, if you believe in that stuff, um, that a certain item can hold some kind of negative Well, the fourth energy. movie... The Evil Escapes is more or less about the lamp, which is kind of like a cursed object. Right, right. Okay. And then you go into <laughs> the, the Amityville Curse, <laughs> which released in 1990, which follows a group of teenagers who spend the night in a former rectory in Amityville where a priest committed suicide. And this installment was actually set in an entirely different house. So it was kind of like... So it's kind of like, you know, the kids are are cursed. I don't I didn't watch this one, so I don't really have a clue. I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I didn't watch any of these except for the Ryan Reynolds version. <laughs> <laughs> so Amityville Curse, although it's not set in the actual house that the murders happened, I guess they're taking it as like well the priest that might have done whatever they're doing the hauntings is what is haunting these teenagers now. Right, or it could be maybe the lamp has moved. Maybe, I'm not saying that they document that in the movie, but I mean, like, maybe the lamp was in the room or the house where the priest committed suicide. The lamp travels. You know, people are into antiques. That's, that yeah. would, that, that's not that surprising. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, we didn't watch all these, so. Oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Then, the next one, which released in 1992, was Amityville, It's About Time, which focuses on a haunted clock that a family from Los Angeles, California takes into their home from an estate sale in New York. So, now it's a clock. Now it's a clock. And the seventh film in the series, Amityville, A New Generation, also utilizes a haunted object as a plot device. 
this time, a man purchases a mirror possessed by the spirit of his father who, like DeFeo, also murdered his family in the Amityville house with a shotgun. Then you have Amityville Dollhouse, which follows a family haunted by spirits unleashed from a dollhouse replica of the Amityville home. That's too much. Yeah, they have taken... That's too much. They've taken this mass murder and have pushed into all these different things because then they did a remake of the original film and this is the one that you watched that has mm-hmm. Ryan Reynolds in it which is Amityville The Awakening which received a limited theatrical release. A family with an ill son moves into the home and finds themselves tormented by ghosts who seek to possess the son's body. So they've pretty much like taken everything that's literally happened with these murders and turned it into a million different things. Right. And that's all. That's too much. It's a lot. That's a lot to unpack. This is what y'all chose. This but, is the path you chose for us. Oh, I mean, yeah. At least it's just one serial. <laughs> well, one murderer. I mean, shit. <laughs> and speaking of that, so now I know all these movies are based off of one, one person, horrific crime. Yep, one person and what he did, and they have taken their own spin on things to make all, what is there, eight freaking movies now? Too many. Seven, eight. So, this is what actually happened. Around 6.30pm on November 13th, 1974, 23-year-old DeFeo entered Henry's Bar in Amityville, Long Island, New York, and declared, You got to help me. I think my mother and father are shot. DeFeo and a smile. <laughs> DeFeo and a small group of people went to 112 Ocean Avenue, which was located near the bar, and found that DeFeo's parents were dead inside the house. One of the group, DeFeo's friend, Joe Yeswit, made an emergency call to the Suffolk County Police Department, who searched the house and found that six members of the family were dead in their beds. Hi, yai, yai. Which is already a little sus, considering that DeFeo is like, hmm. My whole family said, and I'm alive. Right. And let's just back up there, too. Six members of the family were dead. That's a lot of people yep. in one house. Right. A family of seven, so. No. No. So, obviously, if, if if it was six members of the family, the victims were Ronald Jr.'s parents, Ronald DeFeo Sr., who was 43, and Louise DeFeo, his mother, who was also 43. And his four siblings, 18-year-old Dawn, 13-year-old Allison, 12-year-old Mark, and 9-year-old John Matthew. All of the victims had been shot with a 35 caliber lever-action Marlin 336C rifle around 3 o'clock in the morning of that day. I ain't getting up at no 3 o'clock to murder nobody. <laughs> right? I like to sleep. <laughs> the most I'm going to do is pee and go back to bed. Um... Yeah. So, the DeFeo parents had both been shot twice, while the children had been killed with single shots. Physical evidence suggested that Louise DeFeo and her daughter Allison were both awake at the time of their death. So, I would imagine they probably had their hands up, or their arms were in some kind of defensive type position. Right. To try and stop the bullets. Yeah. Right. Which I know it doesn't make sense, but if you were in that position... 
the first thing you think to do is put your hands up or something to, to gorge your face or something like that. But here's where what you just said gets a little tricky. Continue. Okay. <laughs> According to Suffolk County Police, the victims were all found lying face down in bed. Take back all of the previous statements I just made. What if he rolled them, though? This is true. He could have done that. He could have rolled he them. He could have shot them and then... Yeah, maybe he didn't want to... Maybe after he came to... If he didn't want to really see was faces. possessed, he didn't want to see what he had done. Mm -hmm. That's fair. So, um, the DeFeo family had all occupied 112 Ocean Avenue since purchasing it in 1965. So, they were there from 1965 to 1974 up until these murders happened. Mm -hmm. Which is not very long. It's like nine years. Yeah. Uh, so, the six victims were later buried in nearby St. Charles Cemetery in Farmingdale. So, Ronald DeFeo Jr., also known as Butch, was the eldest son of the family and its lone surviving member now. He was taken to the local police station for his own protection after suggesting to police officers at the scene of the crime that the killings had been carried out by a mob hitman, Louise Villani. Uh, what? Yeah. Like I said, this gets weird. However, an interview at the station soon exposed serious inconsistencies in his version of events. And here's where I'm going to touch on this. After he had been trialed and all this other stuff and he was sentenced, he still continued to try and say that different things happened every time. At one point, he had even said that it wasn't a shotgun that was used, it was something else. And then, you know, he would, tr he was always trying to shift the blame to not make him look like the person that did it. And I think that he truly believed in his mind that he didn't do it. Right. And that's why he was just creating all these different stories and timelines because, in all honesty, he was probably very confused. I mean, if he had been possessed uh, by any kind of evil, malevolent spirit, then it's possible that once that, you know, they used that his vessel to carry mm -hmm. out whatever evil, wicked deed, that it would have been gone. It's hard to say. And ultimately, the following day, he confessed to carrying out the killings himself. And Fulani, the alleged hitman, had an alibi proving he was out of state at the time of the killings. DeFeo told detectives, once I started, I just couldn't stop. It went so fast. He admitted that he had taken a bath and redressed and detailed where he had discarded crucial evidence such as bloodstained clothes, the Marlin rifle, and cartridges before going to work as usual. So this man had the fucking nerve to first of all wake up when the fucking birds are still asleep at 3 o'clock, <laughs> say... I'm sick and tired of these fucking people. I'm going to kill them all. And then, I'm just going to go take a nice warm bath, clean myself up, get rid of this shit that says it was me, and go on about my fucking day. Yeah. That's... And what if he was just using this whole haunting possession idea to try and, and like, preface an insanity plea? Well, that's the thing. He... <clears throat> they did try to go for the insanity plea, but it was not supported. So, 
His trial began on October 14, 1975. He and his defense lawyer, William Weber, mounted an affirmative defense of insanity, with DeFeo claiming that he killed his family in self-defense because he heard their voices plotting against him. The insanity plea was supported by the psychiatrist for the defense, Daniel Schwartz. The psychiatrist for the prosecution, Dr. Harold Zolan, maintained that although DeFeo was a user of heroin and LSD, he had antisocial personality disorder and was aware of his actions at the time of the crime. Exactly. So... Story busted. The little insanity plea did not quite work out too well for him. I would say not. <laughs> and on November 21st, 1975, he was found guilty on six counts of second-degree murder. And on December 4th, 1975, Judge Thomas Stark sentenced DeFeo to six sentences of 25 years to life. Wow. I love when judges do that. They just pile the years on. And you know they're going to die. And it's just such a great feeling. <clears throat> I mean, he got what he deserved. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, DeVeo was held at the Sullivan Correctional Facility in Fallsburg, New York, and until his death, all of his appeals and requests to the parole board had been denied, and he died, actually, March of this year. Yep. Breast in distress. I mean, really, he would have lived quite a long life. I mean, I said granted he, it was in jail, but he lived a full life. It might have been behind bars, but and, that's the path he made for himself. But here's the funny thing. I didn't include this in here because I kind of rushed these notes, but what I read was that they are still investigating cause of death for him. Like the details about how he died, you know, what oh. caused his death have not been released because it's still under investigation. So, I wonder if whatever evil spirit was lurky lurking around could have snatched his soul. Got him. I mean, either that or, you know, someone had enough of him and was just like, goodbye. Bye. So, was he truly insane and just tripping on some LSD along with his antisocial personality disorder and decided to kill his whole family? Or was he really possessed by something else? Or maybe did he just have a bad day? Because I feel that in my soul sometimes. I would have had a bad day if I woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning. Like, yeah. he woke up and chose violence. Yeah, if I had been, like, any anything woke me up at 3. Unless I'm dying and I need to go to the hospital or something. Don't be getting me up. My sister with my first niece... We had just gotten home. I got all cozy snuggled up in my bed. This bitch went to labor. And I was like, nah. <laughs> the nerve. I was like, nah, girl. I am snug as a bug in a rug. I'm not getting up. That baby ain't gonna come for a few more hours. And she didn't. So I got to sleep and she had to wait. But Yeah, I ain't get up for nobody. No. Mm-mm. So let us know, do you guys just wake up and choose violence some days? <laughs> or do you prefer your sleep? <laughs> choose violence at every opportunity. <laughs> Maybe we'll have an episode about you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Two Jane Does. I'm Emily. 
And I'm Kayla. Remember to tune in every Monday now at 8 p.m. as we dive into a new case. Please follow us on Spotify, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, and leave us a good review. Catch us on Facebook at 2 Jane Does, where you can find updates on our episodes and links to our other social media accounts. If you have any cases that you want us to cover and go into detail with, you can leave us a message there.